What's up, Central? Happy Easter. Yeah. Doing all right? Okay. <laughs> My name's Tim. I get to serve as one of the pastors here, and I'm really honored that you would choose to join us for this Easter 2019. I uh, also want to look into this camera and uh, say thanks for joining us. Those of you online, thanks for being with us, not only here in the room, uh, but those joining us online, let's give it up for them as well. That's awesome. We're glad you're with us. Well, hey, I'm fairly new here. I just moved from Vegas, and this is a little bit different for me as well. But I want to highlight, before we get to our message, this survey card. Uh, This is really important to us. Uh, As Tiffany mentioned on the front side of this card, just general information, prayer requests. We'd love to pray with you. Uh, But on the back side of this survey card, I would just personally love to hear from you. Uh, And so this will give us some ideas of some content you would like to hear in the coming months. And so my hope, over by the time um, we get to June... We could have our 2019, 2020 calendar fairly framed up, and you get to speak into that. And so we would love to hear what kind of messages you would like to hear from the Bible, what kind of topics you might be interested in. You might say, hey, I don't really go to church. Uh, I'm just here because someone drugged me here, and it's Easter. Uh, So that's why I'm here. That's awesome. I really want to hear from you. I really would love to hear what you would like to hear from the Bible. Uh, So that's the first two points. Then the third there is just uh, next steps. We believe for all of us, no matter where you are in your spiritual journey, There's some next steps for all of us to take, and there's four there for you to consider as we jump into this next ministry run. And then the bottom, it says A, B, C, and D. I'm going to talk to you about that in just a moment. But happy Easter. I'm glad that you're here. Uh, I I heard a story of a guy one time. Uh, He he grew up in a home with parents that loved God and loved him and his brother. Uh, they, They raised this young man to make the right choices, even whenever the right choices were hard choices to make. They raised this young man to be a a hard worker, uh, to to have ethics and to be a contributor to society. This young man, life began to get off course in elementary school when he began experimenting with hallucinogens and smoking weed. And uh, what he started out as experimenting led to a full-blown cocaine addiction by his sophomore year of high school. And cocaine was dictating this guy's life from petty thefts to full-blown robberies. Uh, Cocaine has its claws into this guy. And uh, after a long bout with cocaine, uh, he he got cleaned up, but then started dealing drugs and watching them destroy other people's lives. And this guy thought he had life figured out. I mean, he's making a ton of cash, thought he had, he's in high school at this point, thought, thought he had life by the tail. Then all of a sudden, his life became crashing down on him. And he started asking himself this question, is there any hope? Is there any hope? I'm going to come back to that guy's story in just a minute, uh, but maybe you've wrestled with that question. Is there any hope? Is there hope that actually transcends this life? Or is this life just really one big hamster wheel that we run on and then one day we land in a box? I don't know. It's a question that some of us wrestle with. And uh, because of Easter, 2019. Today, we gather with over 2 billion people around the globe in churches similar to this to declare that Jesus is alive. And because of that fact, I believe that there's hope. Because Easter changes everything. The Bible tells us about Jesus on Friday. His courage got him arrested. His love led to the cross and what looked like a horrible ending, a tragic ending to a life well lived, ultimately served as the greatest display of sacrificial love the history of the world has ever seen. On Saturday, there was silence. Jesus entered into death for you, for me. 
But on Sunday, Easter Sunday, a stone got rolled away, death lost its sting, the grave lost its victory, hell was defeated, death was dethroned, darkness was derailed, faith was vindicated, the prophets were validated. On Sunday, sin lost, shame died, hope soared, and love won. And that's what we gather to celebrate today. That's the reality of Easter. And I know death isn't a popular topic. Uh, it reminds me of a story of uh, a redneck that was at a funeral with some of his friends. And uh, three friends, they, I said, hey, what do you hope people say about you when you're in that box one day? And, uh, and one guy said, well, I, my hope whenever they come up and see me in that box is that they say I was a family man. That uh, in the midst of a busy schedule, in the midst of a hectic life, I chose to say yes to the most important relationships. I hope they say I was a family man. And they say, well, that's pretty good. Next guy said, well, I hope they say about me that I was, I was a civic man, that I made a contribution to my community, that, that I didn't have a whole lot of money, but the money that I had, I, I invested back into the community. And, and I hope they say I was civic. I hope they would say I made an impact uh, in the area where I lived. Then they get to the redneck, Bubba, and, and they say, well, well, Bubba, what do you hope they say about you? And they say, well, boys, that there's an easy question. When they come up to me and they see me in that there casket, here's what I hope they say about me. I hope they say, I don't believe it, but Bubba is moving. Bubba is alive. That's what I hope they say about me when they see me in that casket. Well, because of Easter, you can come alive before you land in that casket. My favorite Easter verse is Romans 8, 11. Check this out. It says this, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Like if you're a follower of Jesus today, if you made Jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life, here's the Bible makes this audacious claim that the spirit of God, God himself takes up residence in us. Crazy claim. And check this out. And just as God raised Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your immortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. You see, Easter is more than a celebration of a historic moment. Easter, the ramifications of Easter, bridge the gap from the life we're currently living and the life that we really know that we were created to live. It's not something you can attain on your own. But the Bible says that God's presence can take up residence in us when we make him the leader and the forgiver of our lives. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead can be in you to transform you into the person, the man, the woman that God created you to be. That's why we're kicking off a a new series next week on the Holy Spirit to to learn more about the power he brings to our lives and how do we actually attain that? What is the Holy Spirit? What does that even mean? Well, I hope you come back. I hope you'll join us uh, for that. I'll be honest with you though, like I never thought too much about Christianity. Uh, I, I thought Christianity was a religion for behavior modification. Do this, don't do this. Tim, don't do that, do this. Tim, stop being such an idiot. That's what I thought Christianity was, do's and don'ts. Well, if you came to Central today looking for a place to celebrate a religion, you've come to the wrong place because I'm not really into that, not really a fan of that because I don't think Jesus left heaven, came to earth, lived a perfect life so that you could behave differently. I don't think Jesus left heaven, came to earth, lived a perfect life, died a brutal death, rose from the dead for behavior modification. I believe Jesus left heaven, came to earth, lived a perfect life, died a brutal death in your place, came to life again so that you can come alive again. He didn't come to make bad people good, he came to make dead people alive. And that's Easter. That's what Easter is all about. And so whether you're a first-time guest just checking out church, 
Uh, heard we had free donuts. That always gets me. No. Uh, but if you are a first-time guest, maybe you're a season ticket holder here. Here's what I want you to know. I believe this with all my heart. God created you on purpose, with purpose, for a purpose. His hope is that you experience not just a little bit of life, but life overflowing. Here's what it says in John 10, 10. It says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. You need to know there's a real enemy. And his goal is to rip your life apart at the seams. Some of you may be experiencing that very thing right here, right now. But here's what Jesus said his purpose is. Here's what he said, I have come. Here's his mission. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Another translation says, I've come that they may have life and have it abundantly, not just a little bit of life, but life overflowing with more and more life. He came not to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. Easter isn't just a historic event that we celebrate from the past. It's not just an event that we look forward to in the future when one day we land in a box. Resurrection, Easter power is available to you, to me, right here, right now. C.S. Lewis is a great thought leader, uh, a great author. He wrote uh, a series of books called The Chronicles of Narnia. They made it into a a movie series a couple years ago. You may have heard of it. Uh, But C.S. Lewis said this. He said, Easter is death working backwards. Like because of Easter, the process can be reversed. Easter is really death working backwards. So rather than starting at life and moving towards death, because of what took place on Easter, we can move from death towards more and more and more and more life, even when we land in a box. That's what scriptures say. And so I want to show you a video of some people that have experienced this Easter experience. They began to experience Easter working backwards. And at one point they were moving from life towards death. But because of what Jesus did for them, reverse the process. You're going to see the script begin to work backwards and move from death towards life. Check this out. My ruins resurrected. God, this is the end. You can't tell me you can make the dead me come back to life. Everything turns to ashes, but without the hope of revival. Imagine living with faith in God. I can't. Get back on my feet, I stumble and fall, but I am too weak to make it on my own. So, my only option is surrender. I throw my hands in the air. I give up. I ruin everything I touch. It's foolish to think that God can restore my life. Wait, God can restore my life. It's foolish to think that I've ruined everything I touch. I give up. I throw my hands in the air. Surrender is my only option. I'm too weak to make it on my own, so I stumble and fall, but get back on my feet with faith in God. I can't imagine living without the hope of revival. Everything turns to ashes, but you can make the dead in me come back to life. You can't tell me this is the end. God resurrected my ruins. That's good news, right? That's Easter, death working backwards. In Easter, regardless of your age, you can move from death towards life. And even when you land in a box one day, you'll be more alive than you've ever imagined. That's what Billy Graham said. Check this out. The great evangelist, he said this. He said, someday you will read Billy Graham is dead. Don't believe a word of it. I shall be more alive than I am now. I will just have changed my address. Listen, you can experience real life. You can experience it right now. You can experience resurrection power today. 
Easter isn't just a holiday we celebrate, it's experience that we can share in. You might say, well, Tim, what's the catch? How, how do I actually experience that? What do I have to do? And I'm glad you asked. You might say, well, those people in the Bible, I don't really even relate to them because they're like hyper-spiritual and that's just not me. I would submit to you, they're just normal dudes, normal guys, normal gals with real struggles, just like you have. But there's one ingredient that they did have in their life that distinguished them from everyone else. And the greatest example I could think of for that was this guy named Abraham. Uh, In Romans 4, 16 through 17, it says this about this guy named Abraham. He says, for Abraham is the father of all who believe. That's a a key word we're going to come back to throughout the the, the message today, believe. This is what the scripture says. This is what scriptures mean when he told him, I will make you a father of many nations. How did this happen? What was unique about Abraham? He said this, um, this happened because Abraham believed. He believed in the God who brings the dead back to life and who creates new things out of nothing. What was so special about Abraham? Well, he just believed God. He just believed in an Easter kind of a God. He believed in a God who could bring the dead back to life. He believed in a God who creates something out of nothing. You might say, well, what what do I have to do to have that role reversed, to reverse the script in my life? Well, I would just say you don't have to do much, but you do have to believe. You do have to believe. Uh, There's three accounts in the Bible where we see Jesus physically raise someone from death to life. Uh, We know that Jesus did this many more times. Uh, Not only does the Bible allude to that, but historians, Christians, non-Christian historians uh, acknowledge that Jesus was a real guy, really walked on this earth and really did raise people from death to life, highlighting that he is divine. But in John 11, 1 through 3, we read about uh, this guy by the name of Lazarus. And God raised Lazarus, this dude named Lazarus, from death to life. And I want to share with you that story today. And it says this in verse 1. Now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany in the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord's feet and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. They didn't have text message at the time. They would have wrote on a piece of papyrus paper and sent a letter to Jesus saying, hey, Jesus, here's the deal. The one you love, he's sick. And I think this is interesting. I think the author's highlighting something for you, for me today. Doesn't say, Jesus, the one who prays more than anyone else is sick. Doesn't say, Jesus, the one who knows more about the Bible than anyone else, he's sick. And that should motivate you to come help him. Doesn't say, Jesus, you know Lazarus, like he loves you a whole lot. You guys are buddies, so like that should motivate you to come help him. Doesn't say that. He says, Jesus, the one you love is sick. And I think it it highlights this reality that God is pursuing you. God is motivated to help you, not based on what you can do for him, but who, how much he loves you and who he is. It highlights more about his character than Lazarus' character. In in verse 4, it says this, when Jesus heard this, um, no, I skipped a verse. Um, No, I didn't. I'm going to keep marching. Verse 4, when he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for the the glory of God so that his son may be glorified through it. Uh, Now Jesus, here he says it again. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. It's interesting. Twice in 
just a couple verses, the author highlights Jesus' deep love for these people. And sometimes I wonder why that is. And I think it's because the next verse might appear that Jesus doesn't really love them. (laughs) And so verse 6 says, so when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. (laughs) He didn't like run to their rescue. He's like, nah, I'm going to hang out a little bit longer right where I'm at. I don't know if you've ever felt like that. Like maybe God's delaying. Like you sent a message. You thought he'd respond. He delays. Sometimes I wonder if God feels the same way about me, my delayed response. Uh, But often he's developing something in you that's much bigger than what you're asking for. This is a hard truth, but it's a truth nonetheless. Uh, What God is doing in you is always more important than what is happening around you. See, see, God uses situations and circumstances in our life to develop us into the men and women that he's created us to be, but he's always more concerned about what's happening in us than what is happening around us. In other words, he's always more interested in the content of our character than in the comfort of our circumstances. But he certainly does care about your circumstances. So in verse 7, we read, when he had said this to his disciples, he said, let's, let's go to Judea. After he had said this, he went on to tell them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, and I, I'm going to wake him up. It's interesting how God filters our situations differently. Uh, verse 12, it says, the disciples replied, Lord, if he's sleeping, he'll get better. Uh, Jesus was speaking of his death. His disciples thought he meant natural sleep. Uh, and so they're like, hey, if he's sleeping, like, just let him sleep. He needs his rest. He'll feel better. Then, then he'll be good, right? Um, but in verse 14, it says, so he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Like, he's not just sleeping, boy. He dead. He gone. He gone. He is dead, dead. So for your sake, I'm glad I wasn't there. Doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. Uh, and here's why I was glad I wasn't there. So that you may believe because God's always more concerned about what's happening in you than what is happening around you. And if God, things always worked out the way you thought they should, if things always played out the way that you thought they would, then we would kind of serve an intellectual God who, like, we're equal in intelligence with, right? And sometimes, sometimes I, I wonder if, if we believe that maybe God doesn't really exist because he does things differently than I wanted him to. But, but I wonder... If maybe that doesn't highlight that God's not actually for us, but maybe he's just trying to do something in us, and because he does things differently than I anticipated, maybe that really highlights that he's actually God and highlights that I'm actually not. So he said, I did this so that you may believe, but but let us go to him. In verse 16, uh, then Thomas said to the rest of the disciples, sorry, I'm from the Midwest. I find humor in things I probably shouldn't find humor in, but this is funny to me. And so Thomas is like, "Uh, let us us go to him that we may die with him. You know, like, he's like Eeyore, right? Like, well, Jesus is going. I guess we're going to go die with him. Like, what the heck? Let's just go with him. I would just say be very careful around people like that in your life. People who are always doubting what God's spoken to you, doubting what God has planned for you, doubting your future, not believing the best like God has for you, but always highlighting the worst. Be very careful around those negative people because they will bring you down to their level of negativity. That's another message for another day. So verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now the author highlights this and there's no detail that, that is in there for no reason. Uh, the Jewish custom, Jewish culture was that the spirit, the soul of an individual hovered around the body for a couple days. 
And so we know that dead is dead, right? Like once you're dead, you're gone, you're done. Um, but, but you, here's what's true for you. You are soul and spirit that's currently housed in a body. But they believe that once the soul spirit leaves the body, there's a chance you can go back into that box at some point. But the author highlights he's been dead four days. Hiding like there's, there's no hope. Like the spirit, the soul is, is gone. But Jesus shows up. Four days later, the King James Version uh, says that he stinketh. <laughs> I mean, decay is starting to set in. Like, he, he gone. He's done. Next time your kids need a bath, tell them, go take a bath. You stinketh. Uh, that's good. <laughs> so he arrives there four days late, so it would appear, verse 18. Now, Bethany was less than two miles away from Jerusalem. Many Jews came to Mary and, and Martha to comfort them in their loss of their brother. When Martha heard Jesus was coming... She went out to meet him, but Mary stayed home. It's interesting. Sometimes the roles get reversed. Uh, It's interesting to me that that Martha goes running out to meet Jesus. Uh, I don't know about you, which one you'd be more like. I'd probably be more like Mary. Like, Jesus, I prayed. Four days late, partner. You showed up four days late. Now I'm staying home because I asked you and you didn't do it. So I ain't going nowhere. But Martha runs out to meet him. And here's their dialogue. Martha runs out, says, Lord, uh, Mary, or Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know even now God will do whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know you will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And this next line is critical. This next line changes everything. This next line reframes Easter. Jesus said, resurrection, Easter, isn't just a historical event of the past. It's not just something that you might be able to experience in the future. He says right here, right now, it's not just a national holiday. It's not just a a, a celebration that we gather for from time to time. He says, Easter, resurrection power is a person and his name is Jesus. Here's what he said in verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Check this out. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives believing in me will never die. Though your physical body might land in a box one day, you can know, you can know that you know that you are more alive in that moment than ever before. Easter, resurrection, power is available. How? Believe. To the one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives believing in me will never die. And then he asked Martha a question I want to pose to you. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Not does your mom believe this? Not does your grandma believe this? Not does the person sitting next to you believe this? Not does your heritage believe this? Not does your nation believe this? But you Personally, do you believe this? I believe that God orchestrated this entire day on April 21st, 2019 to get you to believe afresh. For those who believe, maybe you go to church all the time. That's awesome. My hope for you, sir, my hope for you, ma'am, is that we would believe this once again and you'd experience resurrection power. For those of you, maybe this is your first time in church. That's awesome. My question to you is the same. Do you believe this? 
You see, the climax of this divine narrative does not end on the cross. While on Friday it would appear that all hope was lost, the author of life suffered and died. However, it doesn't end there. On Sunday, he rose, conquering death, hell, and the grave. And he's alive, and because he's alive, there's hope. So the answer to the question I posed at the beginning of this talk, is there any hope? I believe because of Easter, because of the resurrection, the answer is a resounding yes, there's hope. Because of the resurrection, there's hope for your marriage. Because of the resurrection, there's hope for your career. Because of the resurrection, there's hope for your kids, hope for your sickness, hope for your future, and hope even in death. The resurrection reminds us that he can take beauty out of ashes, that he can take what is broken and make it into a masterpiece. He's in the miracle working business. He takes nobodies and makes them into somebodies. You might say, well, Tim, how do you, how do you know? Like, how do you know that to even be true? I would say because he's done that for me. I would say to you, he's made this dead guy come to life again. The guy I started talking to you about at the beginning of the message wasn't some fictitious character. It uh, wasn't some dude that I met in a counseling appointment. It wasn't some guy that I made up for an Easter talk. That's my story. That was my life. But my story didn't end there. I'm thankful for resurrection power because there's hope even in the midst of hopelessness. Now my story is that he takes junkies and drug dealers and turns them into pastors. My story is he takes the helpless and he turns them into dispensers of hope. My story is that he takes those silenced by shame and he turns them into a megaphone to declare his, his majesty. My story is that Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. He came to make dead people alive. He's done it for me and I know he'll do it for you. That's my story. And it's not just my story. It's a story of over 2 billion people walking on the earth right now. Everyone that makes Jesus a leader and the forgiver of their lives throughout the earth today can come alive afresh in him. It's a story of everyone that would ever put their hope, ever put their faith in Jesus throughout all of history. But because of Easter, because of Jesus, what might feel dead in your life, what might look dead on the outside can come alive again, even if that something is you. God's resurrection power is available to each of us. You say, well, how do I start that journey? Well, it's not super complicated, but simply believe. So over these next few minutes, I would invite you to not move around, but very reverently, very quietly, consider this Easter card one more time. So if you would, please take this out. Whether you're a staff member whether you're a pastor here, whether you're just checking out church for the first time, um, whether you're a season ticket holder here, I would love for all of us to take this out. Even if you're not gonna do anything with it, just humor me and just take this out and look at this for me. I want us to look at those four circles at the bottom, A, B, C, and D. And uh, I'm gonna walk you through each of these. And here's the deal. Even if you don't check one of these boxes, that's fine. You're entitled to that. But just know this, you are one of these four. You fit into one of these four categories. And so I want you to consider these together. And so the first is A, and that, that simply means I, I'm already in a real relationship with Jesus. Like it's not perfect, I'm not perfect, but I know Jesus, I know God, I know beyond the shadow of a doubt when my life lands in a box one day, I'll be more alive in that moment than I've ever experienced in my life. If that's you, 
then, then put an X in the box next to A. B is this, uh, I'm beginning a new relationship with Jesus. I'm beginning a real relationship with him. This is, this is saying, you know what? I, if you were to ask me, my honest answer is I'm not really sure I would go to heaven today. I don't really have that assurance, but I want that assurance. You can, you can have it. You can experience resurrection power. You just check B and we're gonna talk more about that. And that doesn't mean that you're new to church. Some of you have been in church a long time, but it's time to, to refresh. It's time to recommit and say, I'm all in. I wanna experience that in my life. You just be re- recommitting to that process. C is this. C simply means I'd like to consider it a bit more. I mean, you just showed up at Easter, and I think that's awesome you're here. You say, Pastor, you got me close, but I'm not sure I'm really ready to cross that line of faith and say, I I, I wanna become that. Uh, I just need some more time to consider that. Please hear me on this. I'm so thankful you're here. Matter of fact, I I always dreamed of being a pastor in a church where there's a lot of C's. Some, Some confused about what this even means. Some maybe even a little bit critical or skeptical about this whole Christianity thing. I just want you to know I'm so glad that you're here. I would just ask you to put C. This is a safe, as long as I'm the pastor here, this is a safe place for you to explore the claims of Jesus. You take your time. We'll be ready for you whenever you're ready to cross that line of faith. So you just put C. I still want some more time to consider it. D is this. D simply means I don't ever intend on making that decision. And here's what I know to be true of you if you put D. You love some people really well in your life. You really care about some family members, some friends. Because even though you don't ever intend to make that decision, you showed up today in a place that's a little bit foreign to you, a little bit out of the normal, but you did that because you value the relationships in your life. And I just want you to know I so respect that. Here's my commitment to you if you put D. You don't ever intend to make that, cross that line of faith. You don't ever intend to to become a follower of Jesus. Uh, I just want you to know, I'm not gonna try to convince you. Uh, I'm not gonna call you and and I'm not gonna send you a bunch of emails and phone calls trying to sway you. I, I obviously can't convince you of that. But my commitment to you, I would just ask you to do this, have the guts to put D, because my commitment to you, I'm gonna pray for you. And while I can't convince you, I believe there's a God in heaven and he will convince you. I believe there's a God in heaven. He loves you so ruthlessly, so relentlessly that he will continue to pursue you. And while you may be a D in 2019, I believe by Easter 2020, you might have moved up that scale a little bit. Maybe you're a C, you're just considering it. Maybe you're a B. I dare, I dare you have the guts to put D. I'm gonna pray for you. We're gonna pray for you here at Central. Um, so A, B, C, D, which one are you? Um, go ahead, take some time to fill that out. Take some time, and whenever you're done filling out that spiritual survey, you just bow your head. I'm gonna pray for you. I'll know you're done with your survey because every head in the room uh, will be bowed, and then I will begin praying. So go ahead and fill those out. done, just bow your head and I'll I'll pray and we'll get out of here. Let's pray together. God, we just thank you 
for Jesus. We thank you for fresh life and new starts and new beginnings. God, I pray this would be the moment where you begin reversing the process for many people here in this room where they can experience death working backwards, where they can have the confidence that one day when their body goes into a box that they'll be more alive than they've ever been. If you're here in the room with your heads bowed, eyes closed, all of us here, if you put B, I want to help you with some words. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that, that you're making Jesus a leader and the forgiver of your life, that you're making him the Lord of your life, and you believe that he rose from the dead, then, then you'll be saved. So I want to help you with a prayer to make that commitment, to cross that line. And so if that's you, just simply pray in your head, maybe whisper a prayer like this. You can follow after me. God, I know I've made some mistakes and I realize my sin has separated me from you. But God, I believe Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty for my sins. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And because he's alive, I believe I can experience new life in you. Now you say this to him, because you gave your life for me, today, I'm gonna give you my life. Not just a little bit, I'm gonna go ahead and give you all of it, every aspect of my life. Be the leader, the forgiver of my life. Help me face some of the challenges I'm up against. In Jesus' name, amen.